Welcome to Presence Church's Sermon of the Week. We are so excited to share this powerful word with you. Can I talk? Okay. <laughs> okay, I've never used one of these before, but I dreamt it. So when Penny was like, you want a mic or you want the ear thing? I'm going, well, in the dream it was this. So, so let's go with this. <laughs> Okay, so um, I think I know most of you here. Did the, did the fuzzy thing fall off? Is, that, is it okay? Should I go find it? It's okay? Okay, he's got the fuzzy thing. Okay. <laughs> okay, let me get situated. <laughs> okay, I know, it's just starting. First of all, I, I cannot thank the youth leaders enough. Our, both our boys, they took both our boys last weekend. <laughs> So, so Mike and I had the weekend off. So what, what do grown-ups do when the kids are away? We partied, okay? I mean, like, we, we were like, we're not doing any work. We're not going to do anything productive during the weekend. We're just going to party. And our version of partying is eating, okay? Restaurants just opened up. So we hit it. We're like, let's do this, right? And we ate, and we ate, and, and we slept, okay? <laughs> Got a nap um, in between. Saturday night, um, we go to this restaurant we've been wanting to go to. I'm going to move this here because I'm a pacer, okay? Micah is a rocker. I'm a pacer. <laughs> so, um, so we go to this uh, amazing restaurant. After the first two appetizers, fear enters our hearts. Okay, I can see it in Mike's eyes. He looks at me and he goes, this is really good, but I'm still hungry. Do you want to go to another restaurant after this? I'm like, yeah. Like, you don't have to ask me twice, okay? So under, it, it, like, within a minute, I whip out my phone. I make 10 p.m. dinner reservations at another restaurant that we like in Laguna Beach. So we did two full dinner Saturday. We did it, okay? <laughs> we got home at midnight, and we're so thankful we were finally full, okay? <laughs> so we, we just gorged um, this past weekend. And so when Penny called me, uh, left me a message Monday, and uh, she asked, do you think you want to give a message this Sunday? I'm thinking, no way. Like, Mike and I, we didn't do anything productive. We didn't do any work. I'm sure I'm going to be busy th this weekend, right? But then, immediately, I'm reminded of a dream I had on Saturday night, okay? <laughs> the dream is, basically, that last minute, I have to give a message. So I'm going, oh, I wonder what that means. Either it's a warning from God, you're not ready, don't do it. They're going to ask you, but don't do it. Or he's saying, they're going to ask you, so do it, right? So <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, I'm kind of busy. So I, I, I call Penny, we talk. You know, Penny, you shared the dream. Oh, yeah, like, it's good. It's going to be good. You're in. It's good. I'm like, oh, okay, if that's what you think. Um, well, th th this is what God's speaking to me from the scriptures these days. Perfect. It's perfect. You're in, you know? So I'm, I'm like, okay, uh, I guess I'm doing this. I hang up the phone, and immediately, again, I remember the details of the dream. God gave me the message in the dream. I mean, like, super clear, the topic, okay? So I'm like, oh, I guess Penny was right. He did want me to do this. 
So I'm going to start with the dream, okay? I don't know why I'm like out of breath. I'm going to try Micah style, okay? So, <laughs> so this will help me breathe. <laughs> yeah, I got a skirt though, you know? Okay. So here's the dream. Um, in the dream, I am talking to someone just casually about discipleship, okay? So it's just a casual, off-the-cuff conversation about discipleship. Somebody overhears, the, um, and, and uh, it gets back to Natalie, and all of a sudden, I have to go give the message at Bethel, you know? I don't even remember saying yes, but it's like, no. Um, they want you to come and give a message about discipleship. And then the next scene, I'm in a bus. I don't remember getting in the bus, but I'm in the bus, and um, someone else is driving it. It's a little hairy. I'm like, ah, am I going to make it, right? Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure the bus driver is Penny because she drives Sundays, right? <laughs> and, and that's what it felt like. Like, I don't know how I got in, but all of a sudden, I'm in the bus, right? Um, the bus uh, drops me off at the front of this, like, it looks like the National Gallery of Art. So now we're in D.C., Okay. So I get out, Chris Valentin is <laughs> standing at the door with someone else ready to usher me in. I go in, and Natalie's there, and she grabs me, and she wants to escort me back to see Bill Johnson because he wants to pray for me before I give the message. But the whole time, I'm fretting because I was given one tiny, like, tiny index card to write down what it is I'm going to share about discipleship. And I was like furring my brows like, oh, you know, what did I say? What did I say? And I'm trying to focus. I still didn't have it together. And so I refused Natalie. I'm like, I said no to Bill Johnson, you know, because I got to get my notes together. But it didn't even make sense because the notes get attached to this thing. You can't even see it. That was the dream, okay? <laughs> I know it's weird. All dreams are weird, right? Okay, so... Here's the thing. In the midst of our gluttonous weekend, we actually had some really good conversations, okay? We didn't just see. We had some good conversations. One of them was about discipleship, okay? Somebody was eavesdropping on our conversation. Like, God heard, like, he hears every word we say, you know? So, I'm, I'm going, okay, and I'm sorry, am I being really loud? It's, it's fine? Okay. I'm, I'm a loud person. Um, this is like my son's dream come true. He gets to control how loud I am. <laughs> He's doing the AV. <laughs> Every son's dream come true, okay? Have at it, Tate. Uh, <laughs> ooh, the shaking. Okay. So th the thing is this, though. I wouldn't pick discipleship for a topic. I'm like, really? You want me to talk about that? Okay. Because um, for me, and I think it's true for a lot of other people, because I've had conversations in the past, discipleship, like the word conjures up feelings of like, it's serious, you know? It's work, you know? Like, like it's, it's like, uh, it has a somber tone to it, you know? And I'm like, really? Like, I'd rather talk about something more exciting. Discipleship doesn't sound exciting, Lord, you know? Um, but if you think about it, Okay, like the messages where we get inspired and let's go out and change the world, be a world changer, do this and do that, all that kind of stuff, which is exciting and it stirs us up, right? But the word discipleship just sounds so 
almost sedentary and like serious and, you know, like, I don't know. Um, that's me at least, okay? But if you think about it, it was through the 12 disciples that God turned the world upside down. He, God changed the world through discipleship. So if we actually want to be a world changer, if we want to make an impact in the world, okay, it's not about, let me go start a nonprofit. I mean, that could be it, right? But the way is discipleship. You know, it, it, like changing the world is not a separate topic from discipleship because God wants to change the world. So <laughs> the 12 disciples, you know? Okay, sorry, let me get my thoughts together. I don't have notes because Mike Morris doesn't like it, okay? <laughs> uh, but, but also because of the dream, okay? Because God's like, you know, you can't see it anyway. And it's true, notes just confuse me. Um, okay, so, so, so these are my thoughts about discipleship. And then I realized, like, no, um, discipleship is exciting because it's actually through discipleship that we get to make an impact in this world, okay? Now, I'm thinking about the dream, and there's an anomaly in the dream. And what I've discovered, because I dream a lot, um, I'm sure a lot of you here as well, what I've discovered about understanding dreams is that you find the anomaly, you find the twist, you find the thing that doesn't make sense, and that's the key, okay? So for me, the, uh, the anomaly in the dream is Bill Johnson. Okay, let's get real. In real life, if Bill Johnson, the father of Bethel, okay, called me by name, <laughs> wanted me to, you know, come to him so he can lay his very anointed hands on my head and speak his words over me, who cares what I have to say? You know what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't make sense. In real life, I would never refuse Bill Johnson. So I'm like, huh, I wonder what this means. So the verses that I was... Um, sharing with Penny, it actually correlates to this dream, okay? So let me read the verses. It's in Isaiah chapter 1, just the first paragraph. I think I'm out of breath because I'm out of shape from all the eating. <laughs> okay, so Isaiah 1, uh, the first paragraph, verses 1 through 3, and it says this. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem, which he saw during the reigns of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. Sons I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. An ox knows its owner, and a donkey its master's manger. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. So in the dream, there's this image of the father wanting me to come to him. And here in these verses, it's the same image of the father wanting his sons to come to him. Okay, so I, I get it, God. I, I, I see the parallel. But how does that imagery of the father wanting sons and daughters to come to him relate specifically to discipleship? So I ask God that question. And then he says in the night, prepare the 12. And then it hit me, okay? It was through the 12 disciples that God changed the world, right? Discipleship, it's not a New Testament concept, okay? But nor did it originate with Jewish leaders and teachers. 
because God also wanted to change the world in the Old Testament. And so we have the nation of Israel through which God is going to impact the world, right? The nation of Israel is made up of 12 tribes. Where did the 12 tribes come from? From 12 sons of Jacob. Discipleship was birthed in sonship. Discipleship was like it originated in the context of family. So discipleship is not this separate thing where we're trying to raise up generals of the faith who know how to move in every gift of the spirit. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not this regimented program, but at the heart of discipleship, God wants sons and daughters. So discipleship, what it is, God has this cry in his heart because he is love. He wants sons and daughters. So discipleship is the solution to the cry of his heart. And it started back with Abraham, okay? And then down the line with Jacob and his 12 sons. If God wanted really, like, intelligent people, people who knew everything about Christianity, he would have started with 12 theologians. But he didn't, okay? right? And, and if he wanted j- just like, you know, really moral people, that's what he would have started with. But he didn't. He didn't even start with 12 generals of the faith who knew how to like do all kinds of crazy miracles. That's not what he started with. He started with 12 sons, okay? So what Isaiah 1 is telling us, okay, this is the cry of the father's heart. Therefore, go and make disciples. This is the heart behind Matthew 28. Isaiah 1 is the heart behind the command to go make disciples. Every command in the Bible has a heart behind it. And that is the goal. That's the whole reason why God tells us to do this or do that. That, that's, That's the reason behind the commandment, that we would understand his heart and his intention. Okay, so this is the heart and the intention behind discipleship. So, um, let me gather my thoughts. (laughs) So the thing is this, how do we partner with the Holy Spirit to form sons and daughters on earth? Like, how does that happen? Okay, well, we have to look at the ultimate disciple maker, Jesus. I mean... Like, <laughs> he's the ultimate everything, right? But he is the ultimate disciple maker. And um, if you're a task-oriented person, I don't know if you ever had this thought, but, you know, sometimes I wonder, like, gosh, Jesus, why did you spend 33 years on earth? You know? I mean, everything is embodied on that cross, right? Which we're going to celebrate next week with Easter. So, like, he could have just come. He could have done his business. Like, I'm here to save you. I'm going to pay for your sins. And whoop. Be done with it. Why walk 33 years on this earth? Why deal with the headache of, you know, this fallen world and people, okay? <laughs> like, like, why, right? And as I think about it, it's like, he's God. He came in the form of, you know, it, um, in flesh, right? And he walked this earth because God's goal is not just to get us into heaven with him. His goal, his desire is to form sons and daughters. So Jesus walked this earth to model for us, to show us what it looks like to walk this earth, this fallen you know, world that we live in, 
as a son and a daughter of the Father in heaven. He had to model that for us. And Jesus, he made disciples, right? You can say his methodology is like, like it boils down to his one-liner. I can only do what I see the Father in heaven doing. That, that's what he modeled. That's what he did. Okay, this is how he made disciples, okay? So, like in the dream, Bill had words for me. And I refuse it. It's ridiculous, right? So, and God's talking about discipleship. And he's saying, that's what discipleship is, is coming to the Father, hearing and seeing what he does and doing that. Here in Isaiah 1, it's interesting. It says that um, they, don't know, they, they don't know who reared them. They don't know who their father is. Okay, and that's the reason why they've gone astray, and that's the reason why there's all this like um, sin and chaos within their environment, right? Isn't this what the world needs right now? It's because they cannot recognize who their father is. He fathers all of us, believers, unbelievers, but they cannot recognize the hand of the father. They cannot see how he is fathering them, and that's why they've gone astray. And that's the problem with our world. So we're not going to fix the world by engaging in their narrative. we got to engage with God's narrative. And this is the truth behind why, you know, there's chaos in our world, right? Why there's all this hatred and such. So let me gather my thoughts again and take a drink of water. (laughs) You guys are so nice. Okay. (laughs) So, um... How do we help people see him fathering them in their lives, okay? Um, I think it has everything to do with God's voice. It has everything to do with um, leading them to his voice so that they can hear the Father for themselves. When we can hear the Father, he reveals how he has fathered us. Okay, and the best way to explain that is an example. So I'm going to use my personal example. So if you haven't, um, sorry. Is this on? Okay. <laughs> All right. So in the beginning of my revival, um, this is new. Uh, <laughs> the, the beginning of my revival, um, I started seeing healing happen. Okay. I didn't know Bethel. I didn't know Jesse, Micah. Like I didn't know anyone charismatic. It's just God showed up and he would give me dreams and then it would happen. You know, he would say things and I'm like, is that God? And then it would happen. So I just I just did, if this is God, then I'm going to do what he's showing me. And healing just organically happened. And I was floored, like, whoa, this is amazing. So then one night I have a thought, like a passing thought. I don't know what it's like to be healed. It's cool that they get healed, but I don't know what that feels like. God eavesdrops, not just what we say, but he eavesdrops on our thoughts too, okay? Because <laughs> he, he like cut into my wandering thoughts and he says, you have been healed once. And I'm like, I have? I've been healthy. He says, TB, tuberculosis. Here's the thing, okay? I am Korean. <laughs> Last name is Morse, but I'm Korean. <laughs> <laughs> And I grew up in Korea until I was eight. So I came to the States when I was eight. I'm not going to say how far, you know, how long ago, but way back in those days in Korea, it was still a third world nation. 
okay? And way back then, <laughs> there was another pandemic called tuberculosis, another airborne disease, okay? And among third world nations, it was even more rampant, okay? I, I came to the States and you, all, you have to get a test. It's a skin test. I always get a bump, which means you have TB. It's positive, right? But there's like some people who have latent TB, meaning like you have TB, but it hasn't turned into a disease form. So you got to get an x-ray. So that's me. I always knew that about myself, and I figured, oh, that's just who I am or whatever. But God said, no, you had the disease, but he healed me. Yeah. He healed me when I didn't even know him. My, my, my grandma raised my sisters and I. She was Buddhist. I went to the Buddhist temple. You know, I didn't know Jesus till I was 18. And yet, he revealed how he fathered me. He healed me. He saved my life. You know? And that, like, it, it shifted everything for me. Because my childhood narrative used to feel so bleak and empty. I didn't have a dad or a mom. It was my grandma, you know? I was totally uneducated. I didn't, no one read me a book or, I, I'm, not, I'm not blaming my grandma, okay? <laughs> like, it just didn't happen. I, you know, no one taught me a single letter of the Korean alphabet. I had like nothing going for me. I'm just this little girl in a third world nation with no hope for her future, and yet he saved me. That's how sons and daughters are formed when we see the Father's hand in our lives, you know? And, and that just like, that just did me in like, wow, you know, how, how he's taken care of me all those years. And even me being here at present is again, the hand of the father. On the worst day of my life, <laughs> I met Jesse. So now on that day of my life, I see the father's hand and his goodness. His hand and his goodness trumps all the works of the devil. It changes our childhood narrative, whatever pain we had in our past, when we can see how he's fathered us, how good he is in our lives, okay? So that's a, that's a personal testimony. I'm, I'm going to end with a few of the testimonies from our uh, discipleship community, uh, home group, okay? Because... That's great, that's personal, but how do we actually help others like connect to the voice of God, right? So as you know, Rick and Holly, they're amazing. Uh, woo! Yeah. <laughs> we we, um, we co-host the group with them from Irvine. Um, so what, one night, Rick shares about prayer, and then he vulnerably shares how on the drive up, he told Holly, I'm a little concerned about our finances. You know, business is a little slow. Then Holly comes out with the promises of God, and she starts making declarations, you know? Like, yeah! <gasps> like, he's got a good wife, okay? And she just, like, declares God's word over him, and we're all like, wow, let's go to Holly if we're ever discouraged, you know? Yeah, you should. <laughs> She, she knows how to make declarations. So then the next day, Holly calls me. She goes, I have a testimony. I'm like, what? Tell me. And she goes, she looked in her bank account. There's all this money. I'm like, how, where did it come from? And she goes, well, well she just uh, switched to a new job. She left her old job a month before bonus. The entire point of a bonus is to keep you working to that day. She's not supposed to get the bonus, but she got it. You know, and, and 
right? And, and we know it's because of her faith, but also like God's faithfulness. That, that's God's hand in their lives. Immediately after, Kendall texts me, and she goes, Sue, please pray for me. I need $40 by Tuesday to help pay for half the phone bill, right? And I'm like, wait a minute. God just did this. You also need money. You're the same father. Do it again, Lord. Okay? I got to confess. I, I just want to give her the money. Like, I can do 40. I can say, the Bible says be generous. Here you go. It's from the Lord. And put you out of your misery. I, I, I just want to do that, right? <laughs> you know? I, I just want to take care of it my way, right? And it is scriptural. I'm being generous, right? The problem is, yes. and, and there's nothing wrong with that, but the problem is I knew that's not what God wanted me to do. He was like holding me back, like, I'm going to do something. I'm like, are you sure you're going to do something, you know? Because I don't want her to be disappointed. So Tuesday night rolls along. I call her. You got the 40 or text her. She's like, no, but I believe. But I had a dream about you, Sue. I'm going, I dreamt of you. So now we're on the phone talking. <laughs> Middle of our conversation, her cousin texts her to say, here's your $40 that I forgot I owed you. You know? And I'm like, oh, the way you do it is so much better, you know? It would, it's, it's not, like, she wouldn't see the hand of the father if I, like, went against what he wanted to do. But there's another instance in our group where God told me to give a person money. Someone was short on gas, so some people, like, gave her some cash, and God told me to add to it. I'm walking over to Mike Moore's, because that's where you go if you want cash, Okay. <laughs> Everybody, go to him. <laughs> I said it. Now you know, okay? He's cash cow, okay? Because <laughs> I, I don't carry cash. I got, like, credit cards memorized. I got bank accounts memorized. I don't need cash, okay? I never carry cash. But as I'm walking to Mike, I feel my wallet. It's like a Holy Spirit thing. Oh, it's got a wad of cash, which would never happen, right? So I decide to go check my wallet. I open it up. There is a thick wad of cash. I'm like, I have no idea where it came from. Like, no idea. And I'm scrolling through all the 20s, and in the back is a $100 bill. And God says, give her that one. I don't even have to think twice, because I know that's not my money. Like, it's not mine, you know? So I give her the hundred, and, you know, I'm like, I told her, it's from him. And, and I told her how it happened, because it's like, don't, I don't want you to confuse my generosity. It's not. It, like, literally came from him, you know? So when we, like, listen to, right? So when we listen to what he has to say, he gets to reveal his hand, you know? So let me just end with this. Sorry, there's so many testimonies, but this one's really cool, okay? Because it's like, um, this is great. We're all, like, blessing each other within the group with God's voice and him revealing his awesome fathering in our lives. But discipleship is supposed to change the world. So how does that happen when we're just meeting together week by week, right? Here's the thing. Even that, we don't have to worry about. We just go to the Father. He maps it out. Okay. So Wednesday nights, I usually just 
ask God, what do you have for us Thursday, right? And this one week, he starts giving words of knowledge, names, something very specific, right? So I share it. One of them is a name, Allie. Her wrists are healed, he said, like it's done. So I share that word. The other one, it was like Nikki's roommate and stuff. And Kendall goes, I know an Allie. She has rheumatoid arthritis, and it's in her wrist. It's her. Go call her. She's an unbeliever, okay? So the next week rolls along. I ask her, did you reach out to her? And she says, she called her and told her, look, I've been writing for hours, which she couldn't do before. God healed her of her rheumatoid arthritis. And she didn't even come to group, you know? And she was in England at the time, too. And so I'm like, Kendall, did you tell her who did that? And she said, yeah, I did. So this is the father revealing his hand in unbelievers' lives through discipleship. I hope that makes sense. So now it's become a thing. Because the next week, like, several people come with names, okay, and something specific. And Hannah comes with a steward, airplane and all this. And is James's, like, uh, someone that works um, with him because they work in aerospace, airplane. And now they're going to go hiking together or running together or something. So like God is reaching out. We don't have to map it. We just come to him and we just hear what he has to say. So anyway, let me end right there. Okay. I went a little over Jesse, I think, but I don't know where we started. Okay. 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 Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you so much for being our father. Thank you for your love for us. And Lord, I just, I I feel there are several hearts that are burning and yearning to see your hand in their lives. So God, I pray that they don't leave this room (laughs) until they, they hear you, until they see you, until someone comes to them, Lord, to reveal your hand in their lives. You want all of us to know that it's you that's raised us, that's kept us, that's guiding us, Lord. And that's it to discipleship. You want sons and daughters. So I pray that all performance just break off of us and that we would just enjoy being your son, being your daughter, Lord, and just enjoy coming to you again and again and again because that's all you want. You're a God of love and you're just dying. You'll scour the earth to pour out your love. You want sons and daughter, and you will just go like wherever to get what you want, Lord. And we want to partner with you in that, in gathering your sons and daughter to yourself. So Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in these discipleship groups, and even outside of it, Lord, how you're just moving through us. And we just say more, God. And we love you, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you. If I walk in could ever meet it called the stars that raised on the inside me. Hope you enjoyed this week's Sunday sermon. We pray you experience all God has for your life.